Welcome to The Extra Pieces. I'm Richard from The Rambling Brick and... I'm Jay from Jay's Brick Blog. Welcome to our little podcast and come and join us while we talk about Lego sets, things happening in the Lego fan community and pieces we've stepped on in the middle of the night. After... Our theme music, it seems, is going to go ba 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 Hi, Jay. How are you? Hello. It's been a while. How's it going? Oh, it's been a couple of weeks. It's, um... Oh. Too much Lord of the Rings is barely enough. And we'll uh, couple that with too much Lego and it's all in the one form. That is a... That's, that's not an issue. Has, has, has too much Lord of the Rings, um, Lego Lord of the Rings ever been an issue? I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. No, I don't think there's really been enough. Um, well, I know it's been occupying my build space and mind space this last week and that'd probably be... Um, that'd be... 10316 Rivendell. How about which you, Jay? Which we've discussed at length on the on the podcast. Have we discussed it enough, though? Uh, I, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. So, um, so dear listeners, the um, big difference between now and the last time we spoke about it is that we've now actually built the set and experienced the set for ourselves. And we can talk about it. And we can talk detail. about it in much more detail. Um, and, well, we'll start with a very simple, what did you think of the set on a scale of one to the best ever, Jay? So it's a, this was a very interesting um, experience. Um, it's quite, quite an unusual experience because I'm a big Lego Lord of the Rings fan. I think one of my first, um, one of my first ever reviews on the blog, um, this is, like from way back in 2012 was um, Shelob's Attack and followed by Gandalf Arrives um, because I was just so excited that Lego Lord of the Rings was um, was a thing. Um, so I, I consider myself a big Tolkien fan, a big Lego Lord of the Rings fan. So this, this set was, um, this, this set meant something to me. Um, we also saw it um, way back in September. Mm. When, um, senior graphic designer Ashwin Visser, who worked on the amazing gra- who who led the work on the amazing graphics and minifigures, um, unveiled it to us at Fan Media Days 2022. Mm. And that's a that's a that's a very unusual way of you know kind of seeing something for the first time. And um, I remember just I think I almost cried. I think I I did I did you did cry, cry. you did, did cry several times. And I think it was worthwhile. It was overwhelming. It was emotionally overwhelming. The vibe in the room was just a whole lot of people just suddenly stopped breathing when he lifted that sheet. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and and then we we you know we got to spend a few minutes looking at it. Um, we had an interview. We got to speak to Ashwin one on one, where we got a bit more. You know, we got thirty minutes more. Um, you know, FaceTime with Rivendell. And then it was just like silence for months. And then, um, you know, Lego officially reveals it. The set shows up at our doors to build for um, our reviews. 
So it's 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 quite an unusually long drawn out process. And going back to December, uh, going back to September, I was you know obviously blown away that this was a thing, that Lego Lord of the Rings was back. Um, and you know when when I saw it, I was just you know I was just amazed at just how beautiful the set was, just how big, just how ambitious. You know, it's the eighth biggest set of all time. This is a big deal. Mm. Um, big deal to a lot of people. But I, I'd say for me, it's actually the biggest set that I've ever put together. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah. There's, there's all those other ones that I haven't done. But um, yeah, yeah. This, so, this, this is the biggest one for me. Yeah. So, you know, so going through all of that and finally getting to build it in person. When, when I saw it in Billoon, I was like, oh, this, is, this, is, this set is for me. I'm going to love it. No matter what, I'm going to be extremely biased about it. But building the set and, you know, getting from bag one to, was it 48? 49? Bag 49. And then yeah. there was one unnumbered bag containing random large plates and a bag yeah. of weapons. And going through the entire process um, was, was just, I don't know, spellbinding. It's just, it was just a magical experience. It, um, it, it was, wasn't it? It, um, there, there was one thing when I opened it that disappointed me. And we can talk about that a little later. That it ended? Well, I was thinking about the other... Th we'll talk about it now. I was thinking about the other big set that we saw unveiled when we were in Billund. And it's a set with a similar part count, another huge license for the Lego group, and it was the UCS Razorcrest. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you opened the UCS Razorcrest and inside the box, there are two more boxes which are magnificently decorated with concept art from the Mandalorian. Mm. Now, if that didn't exist and I didn't know about that, then I wouldn't have felt a little bit upset when I opened up all the flaps on my Lego, on my Rivendell box. But you know what? That's literally the only thing that I can <laughs> complain about about the whole experience. <laughs> there are a few little... Team. In a bunch of bags and Just, a clean white box. It did. Um, but I agree. It was, it was one of the most positive building experiences that I've ever had. And the set's divided into three parts. Um, there's a tower which gives you a narrow section of the hall, including... The library. Library in, uh, and Frodo's bedroom and Bilbo's study, which are sort of incorporated in the one space, but that's okay. You've got the river along with Forge and the gazebo that um, features in the film, the little dome-covered dome gazebo. And then the final section sort of brings you the rest of the hall um, including the gallery and also the council ring. Now, I was thinking that w when I was putting this together, or after I finished putting it together, I realised that in that first, when, when you look at the completed models, a lot of that's actually pretty daunting. And we're long-time LEGO fans. We've seen most tricks that designers have thrown into sets so far, and they found some new tricks to throw into this one. Mm. but the thing that I realised was that first section was a tutorial. The tower used small snippets of techniques that were going to be used later on, 
So you had a small section of the roof and so all of a sudden you didn't worry about the fact you were going to have to line up 400 one-by-one tiles. You lined up 100 of them and discovered you could do that in three seconds, so it wasn't going to take too long to do the rest of them. Um, you learned about making a rigid base. You learned about you making columns and snapping plates over brackets to make them secure. You learned about using elements that aren't bricks to make structures like the candlesticks which and tusks to produce beautiful archwork. Um, you got to play with some ferns. got to play with some ferns, which was new for all of us. And then you got some mind-mangling geometry as you put together the base of the tower. Hexagon. And... Lots of hexagons. Hexagons and yeah. bestagons. Yes, except that one was an octagon. Was it an octagon? Was it but, well, the base, the base of the tower. Oh, sorry, I, I meant the top part of the tower. Well, the yeah. top part of the tower was a square, and then there was sort of six on the way. Yeah, it was just the gazebo was a hexagon. Yep. And we had all these circles made out of square elements with snot techniques, uh, with the studs being so like a block of bricks with curved slopes wrapping around the outside, and we had that crop up several times um, and it just made for a magnificent thing and new designs for trees um, lots of designs for trees lots um, of designs for trees and they're all, like all pretty novel they were like three and a half different um, you know tree concepts that they stuffed in yeah you absolutely had the, um, you had the tall kind of narrow tree which uses um, I'm going to call that a poplar a poplar, yep. That used sort of um, leaf elements stuck on coupling plates as well as sort of weird technic clippy things to hmm. sort of fold fold up. Yeah, but it but it worked. That was quite novel. That was that was um, that was amazing. There was the I'm gonna call the other one a birch. Um, yeah, I'm going to call that like a, I'm just going to call that the A-frame cabin tree because we saw the same tech or the same innovation first on the A-frame cabin. Sure. Those of us who've had the chance to build the A-frame cabin? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the A-frame cabin, folks. No, so I, th I think it was, um, yeah, there, there, there was definitely some collaboration going on there and go like, you know, and, and, and this happens where, you know, concepts and techniques get you know, propagated and cross-pollinated across um, sets. So, and, yeah. And then there was the mind-mangling big tree at the end. Yeah, big tree. Yeah. Um, no, there, and, and there's a tiny tree at the back as well, which was... Yeah, which was, which like was a little sapling. Like a, yeah, yeah, a little sapling, which was very tall and narrow. But again, worked pretty well. But um, yeah, big tree, plenty of roots. Um, that, was, that, was pretty, that was pretty fun. Yeah, and, and trees that were, um, you know, relatively narrow and a lot narrower than many trees that you often put together in huh. in Lego models and that that was that was awesome there was some great landscaping techniques involved as well mm -hmm. and they were sort of pretty gentle in that first bag and they became a bit more intense with doing the rock work in the second bag and then you had to accommodate for this ground level round council ring and tree in the third so yeah it's a it's a it's, it's a trilogy yeah, with, so uh, it, it felt like that last bag was just consolidating everything that you'd done beforehand and um, making it, it. It felt like like it was going to be easy, which I think is going to be important if you're a big Lord of the Rings fan who is 
not someone who's played with Lego in the last five years. Yep. Because there are so many techniques in that set that would not have been even possible five years ago. Yeah, um, but if you look at the if you look at the design pedigree of the team that was involved with putting this set together, um, you know, you you can't say enough about, you know, Mike Psyche's um, you know, incredible talent. Um even even Lego designers, you know, you know, um have 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 a degree of reverence for Mike Psyche, but then you Mike, also have, you know, West Talbot. I don't Mike think- does geometry in a crazy way. That's that's yeah. that's the that's the thing that I've noticed with every build he's been involved with. If you yeah. need to make something fit in a certain shape and space, he's their go to guy to solve a problem. Yep. You have uh you have West Talbot as well. So I think this is the first um is this the first um Lego set where there's more than one design master. So I think design master is like a like a level above designer ish. Um, so, they're kind well, of like they're kind of like you know like um how would we describe it? Sort of like subject matter experts at Lego. So you know everyone has a specific you know kind of niche. I would say. Mm. Yeah, where's where, yeah, where's where's Delbert does amazing things with color, and that's the one thing that um, yeah, when you when you're done with the set, um, you know, it's just remarkable just how well the colors work together. Mm. Um, you know, he's I guess best known for his work on the um, medieval blacksmith. Yes. Um, and again, that one had really great use of color. You know, from the tree to the roof, um, and just how everything kind of ties ties in together. Um, so yeah, like the, this is a this is a you know they they call themselves um, you know the fellowship um, as well. So you know it, there, it, there were there were three three main sort of set designers, three graphic designers, and people just kept coming off other for, yeah. off other themes and said, "Hey, um, we'd really like to be involved with this." And yeah, and again, it's the senior graphic designers from Star Wars, and um, yeah, and you can tell, and you can and tell Harry because Potter. of the. You can tell because of, you know, just the sheer amount of things that you get to do. And, you know, this is one of those things that you can't quite, um, you can't quite tell from a finished model, just how enjoyable the build experience is per set. And to me, that was one of um, the most enjoyable things about Rivendell, because it is just a joy to to build. There, 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 There are hardly any repetitive sections. Um, unless you count the roof, but the roof was quite fun itself because of the you know the tile alignment technique where you use yeah. either a plate or a tile to you know just kind of swipe in the spaces between the tiles to to get them aligned. That was you know that was a lot of fun. But yeah, the the, the build technique, uh, the the whole building experience was just so well thought out. You know when you're when you're spending this much on a on a set. I think the the time that you put into building a set like this and the entire experience is I would say almost as important as the final model itself because you know it should be should be part of a a holistic um experience when it comes to a set like this. So the build experience was just, you know, mind blowing. And um not sure about you, but my favorite part was just the gazebo, just seeing the gazebo come together. Um that was just mind blowing. That, that- so I think that consolidated for me that Lego bricks are almost obsolete 
Mm. Um, what so, do you mean by that? So when I'm talking about bricks, I'm talking about bricks, three plates thick in, you know, two by four bricks. The You needed bricks in the base and mm-hmm. they chose to put a couple around the frame of the roof of it. But otherwise, it is completely done with clips, plates, candles, Technic connectors, elephant tusks, to- uh, to- um, life, 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 life preservers, life preservers, which are also double up toilet. in friend sets as toilet seats. A toilet seats, yeah. Not their first use. <laughs> the most, uh, the most useful, I think. Because uh, Lego's plastic. Minifigures can float. They don't need life preservers. It's all about roleplay, Jay. It's all about roleplay. <laughs> it was, yeah, that was, look, that was certainly my, that was certainly an intriguing part of the build. And they did mention but in the manual the that they time. found that to be one of the most challenging parts to actually get the design right for as well. It was, it was challenging, but at the same time, it felt simple. Like, they've taken such a complex engineering and design problem. And, you know, when you build through, I think it's like two or three bags, um, the execution was, you know, was... was The, was the execution, the execution yeah. was masterful. I think, say, the design and getting that bit right must have been a huge challenge. Hmm. But they got it right in such a way that it was easy to do. Yeah. And... So I think I think they've designed this set for someone who is patient, a fan of Lord of the Rings, and I think you'll be able to you'll be able to get through this set. You shouldn't be daunted by this if you've not played with Lego since you were twelve. Yeah. Lego's a bit different to when you played with it when you were twelve, but you'll enjoy this build. You'll be able to do it. Yeah. And again, like I think the you know, one of the great things about the set is um yeah it just feels like it just feels like a big leap in terms of you know build technique um mm. the building flow like you said you know how it flows from bag up from from book from book number one to book number three um you know it's such an enjoyable experience um yeah. And 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 you can also because of the way it's built, you can also share this with someone else. So or you know up to you can build together with up to two other people, which I think is a big plus for um you know couples or you know people who want to share this build with their kids. Um, you know that that's that that to me, I've I've started to appreciate that so much. Mm. Um, this this is a set where I appreciate it comes with the three different sections, the three different bags, or books rather, but they're so different. I I feel that you would be better working cooperative. I actually reckon you'd get more enjoyment working cooperatively through the whole thing linearly rather than say, you do this bit, I'll do that bit, unless you're trying to get the whole thing done in less than 12 uh, hours. I don't know, like my... You know, my 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 wife enjoys, uh, you know, sometimes enjoys building Lego, and she was like, "Oh, I want to build that," and I was like, "Ah, oh, I want to build it all." But at the same time, you know, again, yeah. I enjoy I enjoy the experience. We we sat down at the dinner table after the kids um 
after we put the kids to bed, put on the extended versions, um, the extended editions of you know Fellowship and the Two Towers, and you know it was a great time. So yeah, I'm again. If if you're selfish, you know, sure, I, you know, I you... think I think there are lots of ways to share this build. Um, have you seen the Lego YouTube channel little social media ad for this set? Yeah, yeah. Where you've got a couple that bring the set home and they're excited about being able to sit down and he goes off to work and she opens the box and Don't leave the set alone. Starts work. It is it does um give you the same sort of compulsion as carrying the ring does. Poor guy, because what the you know, the set takes I don't know, what, ten to twelve hours? You know, that's that's a big shift, you know. Poor guy worked his uh, worked his butt off that day, and probably looking forward to come back and build his Rivendell set, and it's he, been stolen. He must have been going away for a few days because I wasn't able to get it done in twelve hours. Maybe she had help anyway. But right. um, yeah, so I think there's a lot that, to unpack there. Let's just throw out the yeah. whole suitcase. And, and <laughs> no, and I think go, going again, going back to the build experience, the build techniques, the you know, the, just the level of finesse and elegance that goes into a build like this mm. you can really tell that the designers poured um you know the designers really brought their a game and there are certain sets where you can really tell that you know the designers were you know really kind of go above and beyond with their build and i think this goes this goes back to the fact that lego lord of the, lord of the rings was such a special team to so many um, to so many people, and again, mm. that's evident by the anecdotes that we've heard about. You know, people just wanting to put their hands up to work on this or contribute in some way. Yeah, and you can really tell by the finished product, by the build experience that that this is yeah, this is a special set. I I felt the same. Um, you know, the last time I felt this was building Lionite's castle, where again. You could tell there was that reverence of, you know, classic castle and the fact that people that enjoyed classic castle were now adults. And, you know, again, people who enjoyed or grew up with Lord of the Rings, who, you know, who got to see the Peter Jackson movies, cinemas, play with the sets, who are now, you know, it's 10 years on, they're young adults or older adults. Um, it means just so much to so many people. And you can tell that they've, They've they've really, you know, they, they they really showed a level of care to the IP and to the license that you don't quite find in, you know, yeah. It's it, it's a very rare, mm. yeah, it's a, it's just a very rare confluence where Lego Lord of the Rings, Lego Lord of the Rings. This is just a special set um, to so many people, and you can tell that they've, um, yeah, they've. They've 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 put they've put a lot of respect into what this means to people. They they have, and I think I think we need to take that beyond just the designers. The designers have done have come up with a magnificent design, but the designers they control how it looks. Then you have the people that are responsible for the design experience, yeah. um, and really they are the ones who work on how the set's going to be broken up and work with the set designers to say, okay, we're going to put these three bits together. Yeah. They'll suggest things like, why don't we just use 
rather than Technic pins, let's use a pin connection on one end and an axle on the other, so it'll just sort of slot into the hole and you can pull it apart really easily, unlike your modular street, where if you try doing that, you know, it's just going to end in tears. Yeah. Um, it's the way that, you know, last year, at the start of last year, you'd have bought a, a moderately sized set and you'd have had two completely different bag threes that were all designed to be opened together and mixed up. And so you actually had no idea how many actual bags were in the box. Hmm. Now with these <laughs> sets, they've now gone over to every number appears on only one bag. And there are some steps which will require you to have access to the parts from two bags. And I thought that was really clearly communicated in the, hmm. in the instructions. It's probably been happening since some of the big sets last year. Um, probably Eiffel Tower and I, given that I'd heard that that specifically had no duplicated bag numbers in. Um, yep. So yeah, it's probably been happening for a while, but this is the first time I've experienced that. And Get to uh, building the bigger sets, Richard. It's an issue of places to put them, Jay. It's an issue of places to put them. Well, you've made, you've made some progress turning up, so... We've made some. We've been making some progress here at, at um, Chateau Rambling Brick um, for the just with tidying up the laboratory and creating a little bit more desk space. And who knows, I might even come around to actually doing building in the build room there sometime before too long. Um, but there's still a lot of work to go in the meantime. However, um, oh, minifigures! You know, uh, again, we that's that's just a build experience. Haven't, haven't even got yeah the. Minifigures sort of appear one by one by one by one. And then when you're almost finished, you're introduced to some innovative technologies. So the hobbits have got short, the short fixed legs that we've been seeing on small people since about 2002. And they've sussed out a technique that allows you to make these figures sit down by substituting their legs for a couple of headlamp bricks with some tan plates on the base because with a not a tan but um pale nougat which is like the skin tone because hobbits have bare feet remember um and and they, and they come with dual molded short um short they, legs well. yeah the figures now come with dual molded short legs that's a big advance for those that's huge that's huge like you put um you know you place the new hobbits next to the old hobbits and the the legs just you know the legs just you know the, the hobby minifigure is now perfect. Um, the old ones look taller, I reckon. Yeah. Um, even though they're the same height. Yeah. The other one is with the characters who are wearing robes. So we're talking particularly about Gandalf and Elrond and Arwen. That robe element didn't exist 10 years ago, and we had Gandalf and Elrond both having normal minifig legs that kind, that, that, that worked but certainly didn't quite give that full robe look. So we've seen these since about 2018. And they've, the way that these are decorated, just the torso just feeds onto the, onto the, the skirt element just so beautifully. And then also for Gandalf and Elrond, we have got now, um, they've developed a sitting technique whereby you use a bracket pardon me, a couple of one by 2 plates and a 2 by 2 curved slope that's then 
painted with the same or it's printed with the same detail as the as the skirt so it mm. just looks like it's in continuity and you can then just put this figure in a chair because they have to sit there at the at the at the, at know, the council, council you know Elrond yeah. can't just stand around and look aloof he's not very good at that he's got to sit down and look yeah. aloof and and disparagingly upon everyone yeah and i think um, look i think that's such a that's such an interesting to me um looking at how choices were made with the set so um you know, it's a big set, it's an expensive set, and you will, you know, constantly hear, oh, why are these stickers in the set? But they chose to print on those curved slopes to allow them to sit and have the same, I would say, like, fidelity of printing as the um, dress or robe or skirt pieces. Mm. Um, and to me, that is a very... That tells you something about the, you know, the, the design process and how they were thinking about how fans might want to display the set and reenact parts of Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. Um, you know, whether that's for like photography purposes or because you just want to enjoy having all um, you know, the entire council, you know, sitting down as it was in the movies. And, you know, so having having those printed slope pieces, which, you know, in in a normal set would feel like a very extravagant nice to have, but these were these made it to the to, to the set. Um, I think I think we'd have it, it it would have been something that you'd complain about. Yeah. Um either they could have easily easily made these stickers because stickers uh, on curved slopes are a relatively common um application, I would say. Yeah, but I would also say that stickers on minifigures haven't happened since 1978. No, 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 no. But like, I mean, just, 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 just thinking about putting a sticker on the curve slope. It's a, it's a two by two. It's, it's a very standard size. A lot of people have experienced stickering slopes like that for decorations. And the fact that they pushed for these to be printed, you know, just tells you the kind of, um, you know, just tells you the. You know yeah. how much Lego have thought about the fan experience, and I think it, it would have been a really short conversation. Um. <laughs> oh, you 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 you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I was, you know, I was expecting them to them to be. Um, I I didn't I didn't take a very close look at them. Um, in Denmark. Um, but again, having having those in, as in Denmark, a lot of the things that we saw were prototypes. You know, even the statue, yeah. for example, just had a did have a sticker on on its. One of the statues just had a sticker but, on its head. But, but but looking at you know Lego's track record, um, in 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 recent years where they do know, the only, occasional dumb thing. Yeah, no, no, no. As in as in where only the you know only the bare minimum elements get printed, and even then, you know, we know that it's a big, um, you know, cost element that goes into the overall budget. But again. You know the, the the fact that these weren't stickers when curved slopes are very commonly um, stickered, you know, tells you, you know, mm. tells you something about the set. I yeah, I I, th I think someone someone probably had a conversation to that that point at some stage, and they said, okay, we won't have any tan one by two bricks. We'll um, in this bag, we'll just substitute olive green ones for all of those all of those parts. We're just going to be olive green. Um, and that was actually another cool thing I found with the build experience. Um, the lighting in the room that I was building is very yellow, and I have a lot of difficulty in picking the difference between 
the olive green and dark tan, both in the instruction manual and also in the build. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I was grateful for was that, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking particularly of the second section where you're doing around the forge and the river, and there's a lot of rock work, and you found that in every bag, if an element appeared in dark tan, it did not appear in olive green. Hmm. Um, I think there was one where there was a piece that was in olive green, but then also appeared in light grey, so you could easily tell them apart looking at the manual, and in the build it wasn't going to be too hard to pick those apart, but it was going to be, um, it doesn't matter if you can't discriminate easily between that olive green and, um, between that olive green and that dark tan while you're building it from the pile of, if you're building it from the bags, because it has been set up to make this easy for you. Well, and and that was probably the thing that that I realised at the end of the day. I was really grateful for, as far as a thing that had a a thing that had been considered in the way that the build experience worked. Yeah, this is a this is this is a joke. Uh, I I do not mean to be ageist at all, but again, it's probably for people who grew up watching the Lord of the Rings cartoons when they were on TV. Don't remember Lord of the Rings cartoons being on TV. I do remember some movies being made in the early seventies that didn't really sort of get through the whole film and um, oh yeah, yeah, the whole st- the whole book. But uh, I've seen those cartoons on YouTube. They're you know, they're something. I I remember the the film of Lord of the Rings coming out when I was a boy. Um, there was a Hobbit, and I do remember I. Subsequently, cruising through IMDb, I came across some other other ones. Um, Gollum was terrifying. Like, I'm not sure if you were. So, so what I do know about Gollum there, he was voiced by a guy named Peter Woodthorpe, who then did the voice of Gollum in the radio play, which was in fact my introduction to Lord of the Rings back in 1981. Yeah. it was a BBC production. It was in 26 parts, half-hour episodes. It's been released subsequently on 13 DVDs, CDs, rather, and it was like one of the first things that we bought as an anniversary celebratory present after we got married. Um, and I've been listening to it in the car um, over the last couple of weeks and it came to finish that as well on... Oh, in fact, I finished listening to it the day that I put the last brick in place. It was delightful. There you go. <laughs> we timed it nicely. I'd been driving around a bit. Um, I did not deliberately go on a drive so that I could just finish listening to this thing, but I may have been happy to go for a drive if one was necessary. Um, also weird in that episode is that Bill Nye, um, you know, the ageing pop star from Love Actually, he actually played the part of Sam Gamgee in that production. Oh, well, I cannot um, imagine that. That's a bit bizarre. It, but... it was a bit bizarre. And Ian Holm was Frodo. He played the part of Bilbo in the movies. So mm. that, that was something that was slightly more more obviously recognised. Um, and anyway, for me, that's that's actually my definitive media consumption of Lord of the Rings. I probably enjoy listening to that more than I do watching the movie. Yeah. And it's, again, like, you still know. It takes 13 hours. <laughs> <laughs> 
Plus, well, it's not like it's faster. That's why that's why the instructions and the you know legibility is so important because again, Lord of the Rings has um yeah, it's been around for a long time and the fans it stretch goes, from yeah. Stretch goes back from, to the fifties. Yeah, from people who, you know, used to listen to it on the on on the old wireless to, you know, the cartoon series in the in the late seventies to the Peter yeah, Jackson. Getting movie. the books, there are people who just read it and yep. that's the only way that they did it. Yep, the books. Um um and all the way up to, you know, current generation who are, you know, who, you know, appreciate Lord of the Rings memes, which is a big thing on the internet. So one does not just use a brick separator on an old reddish brown tile. Yep. And, you know, the fact that they, you know, kind of pull it, going back to the minifigures, um, they, they, they printed a dual-sided um, face, uh, dual-sided head for Boromir with his, you know, one does not simply walk into Mordor face. Um, yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the minifigures? Um. Beyond there are a lot of them. A lot of them, um, but again, I think it's important to to note that you're getting the entire fellowship. Um, last I checked, last I checked, um, and again, prices might fluct- might might have fluctuated because uh, because you know people weren't aware or didn't know that Lord of the Rings was coming back. But last I checked, it would cost you about three hundred dollars at a at, at a bear. Oh, three hundred US. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, my, my calculations were about 500 Australian. Yeah, I mean, de- depending on which minifigures you pick. So this is like the, you know, th- this is like the, the, the cheapo Aragon from Weathertop and not the, um, you know, Battle of the Black Gate Aragon. So you, you get the bare minimum minifigures. It, it will cost ba- you like 300 USD. To ba- Battle of the Black Gate Aragon wasn't your General Aragon. Yeah, it wasn't your General Aragon. So... Um, you know, a stock standard fellowship of the ring in minifigure. Yeah, he was. A, he 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 moved on from the fellowship by that stage. <laughs> yeah, would cost you about yeah yeah three hundred US, five hundred Australian. Yeah. yeah, and and people were paying, and and that's like sold. You know, average sold prices as well. So people were paying those prices for Lord of the Rings minifigures. I may have been missing an Arwen and Elrond from my collection hmm, last week. I'm not anymore. There you go. And um, um, that certainly, they represent the most I've ever paid for a minifigure now. For now. But yeah, so. No, I don't uh, think it's going to be a slippery slope. I think I just. Um, <laughs> yeah. So looking at it from that perspective and the fact that you're getting the whole fellowship plus. Elroy, plus another 5,900 pieces. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's decent value, um, you know, and, and it's great to get the minifigures. Yeah, uh, the Elven Smiths uh, are nice additions as well. Plus, you get um, you know, all the statues as well, which is you know, which 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 you should consider as minifigures. Plus, they all have like shiny new weapons as well. They didn't need to introduce so many new weapon molds, so many new weapon molds that were screen accurate as well. But they only introduced one mold. Did they? Yep. And on that one mold. They produce all of those weapons. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry. So yeah. so so it's basically it's produced as as a wheel or a, as, a sprue. 
Yeah, and it's, it's like those little bags of Ninjago weapons, those little mm. bags of friends' cutlery and cupcakes or kitchen accessories. Um, and you get two sets of you, you get two sets of the of the weapons. So you get two axes, you get four of the orphan swords, you get two copies of Narsal, you've got two copies of Sting, and yeah, the the blades are more accurate, the cross pieces have generally got more detail in the handles and now have now got detail in rather than just sort of being a blank bar. Yeah. And I, even the pommel's got a little bit of detail on now. I don't I don't know about you. This is slightly controversial, but I I prefer the old sting mold. I'm not sure why, because the proportions are slightly different. This newer one has a lot more texture, but there's just some like I think I've imprinted too hard to like the old Lego Lord of the Rings sets and Sting that, you know, it's 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 like my I don't know, like my immune system is like rejecting this new Sting because it's like, you know, my 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 brain just keeps telling me that's not Sting. That's not Sting. So I don't know if it's me. I find that they're just a tiny little bit harder to click in and out of the hands mm. than the old ones. Yeah. And if you look very, very closely you can see the molded, um, you can see the mold, like what do you call them? The mold lines, a bit. Yeah, mold, mold, the mold lines. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, but you can do that. You can do that with every. You can do that yeah. with just about every element, Jay. Yeah, but I don't know. They they, they feel a bit more. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I prefer the old sting, and that that's just me. Out there, I think I think the emphasis here has been on making things. The new molds have all made things a bit more screen accurate. Hmm. Um, Gimli's helmet is a more screen screen accurate one than the old version, mm-hmm. um, but in reality, that's probably about the weapons that the rings are screen accurate as it ever was. And Narsil, you know, that's a that's a big like that's a big win for like everyone. That one yeah. was. As I say, once 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 you're making an effort to make one sword, then you you put them all on the put them all in the mold. And so when they talk they talk in the um, in the manual about a fellowship of Lego designers. So there were sort of three set designers. So as well as Wes and Mike Psyche, they there's also Chris Perrin, who we otherwise mostly know for Spaceships and The Office, um, and Monkey Kid. Well, that's what I think of. Um, <laughs> and the graphic designers, but then there were also a number of element designers. Um, so what were the other elements? There was the new fern. Yep, shout out to the new fern. That's shout out to be... the new fern, fits in under an, a um, six-stud arch. Um, and then you've got a whole lot of weird recolors, sausages and icy poles in medium nougat to make up nine chairs for the fellowship or for the council rather. Um, it's just, just crazy. Um, they must've been hungry that day, as it says in the book. (laughs) Um, the thing that I appreciate, the thing that I appreciated with the minifigures was the fact that we also now have Aragorn and Sam, who are location appropriate. Hmm. Yep. So previously, we've had two Aragorns, ones for the Battle at the Back 
like gate where he's dressed in the finery of the King of Gondor. Then we've got his Strider, General Strider, Ranger, Ranger with the even star just poking out above his shirt, Mm -hmm. which technically wasn't screen accurate for um, Attack on Evertop. Because he hadn't been given to him yet, but uh, anyway. But uh, this outfit was the outfit here is the outfit that he wears for most of the time in Rivendell, or that we that he's on camera in Rivendell. Formal wear, formal wear for yep. important business meetings. Absolutely, absolutely, certainly is the formal wear. And likewise, Arwen in the initial sequence. Or dur- during the time that the Fellowship are based in Rivendell, again, was more likely to be in flowing white robes, the purple robes from the, or the lavender robes from the previous figure, probably more consistent with when she rescued Frodo from mm-hmm. the Nazgul, or then something similar in Return of the King, um, which was also when the Smiths got to do their thing. Um, again, Makes me twitch because that's where it deviated from the book. You know, we talk about Lego deviating from the source material, but, you know, the source material's deviated from the source material as well. Hey, one of those elves could be Glorfindel, so... Could he, be. He was, or, he, was there, he was there at the council, so... Hey, got Slayer of, uh, of Balrogs there. A absolutely. Elf, anonymous blonde elf. Could be Glorfindel. Ah, but we then need to swap the hair over because Anonymous Blonde Elf also sort of has pouty lips and a Hermione Granger face. I think that's fine. Well, Findel was a, was, a, was a beautiful, a beautiful, noble elf. Okay, I can run with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I do like the new elf head mm. hairpiece element. Um, this has hair coming over the front and back. It's dual moulded so that you've got light nougat, sort of the flesh colour for the ears, and then the hair in different colours. We see it in reddish brown, and we see it in cool yellow for Legolas and Anonymous Elf number one um, <laughs> that could or could not be Glorfindel. Um, do they overuse this hair piece? Um... I'm 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 gonna say yes because yeah I'm gonna I re- say I'm gonna I reckon this is another place where where perhaps Legolas's original hairpiece worked really well. Mm. Yeah, um, and I think, I think he had a few the... strands that tended to drop over forward over his shoulders, whereas the rest of the elves did seem to make a point of yeah keeping keeping the hair there for ceremonial purposes, whereas Legolas was far more a dashing man of action. Just wood elf, uh, wood elf fashion. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I think you know, going back to that as well. Um, you know, there are few, you know, comp- I would say like compromises made in the minifigure department. Um, you know, with re reused heads, and I think yeah, the the most egregious one is probably Legolas, which uses young Han Solo's um head, which I don't know, just doesn't quite doesn't quite work for me. You look, I think one of the things that really distinguished the elves in the 2012 series with their sort of their cheekbones, which yeah. were which were drawn on, and Elrond keeps them, but the other elves 
don't in this mm. in this um, set. And I th- well, it, I think it. I would actually say across the board, everyone looks much less serious than they did in the 2012 figures. You know, even even the angry faces are less angry than well, they were back in the day. I mean, they were, you know, they were in literal elven paradise on Middle Earth. Um, yeah, so I'm yeah. presuming that that must just be that they were a bit happier there. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in whereas in the um, in the sets they were, I don't know, fight fighting, you know, cave trolls, Fight, fighting cave fighting trolls and Shelob and Nazgul. Like that's yeah, that that's a lot of uh, distress. Whereas in you know in in Rivendell, it's, it's good times. Good times. You got but, singing. But they did keep us with Frodo and the stone and the stoned on the power of the ring look. You know, yeah, where he sort of goes wide-eyed, even though that didn't technically happen in the film mm-hmm. while he was in Rivendell at any point. Um, fun fact, I suppose, you know, the, the Frodo head from that first um, Council of Elrond set actually didn't have the freaked-out eyes in. Mm. So yeah. it's like the only Frodo that didn't use that head. Now I've got another figure I need to hunt down, but I don't <laughs> need to hunt down. Wait, sorry, which one? Oh, the... Council of Elrond. Uh, yeah. The um, Frodo there has a different face print to, a different reverse face print to the other yep. The other ones. So, yeah. Um, yeah, look, minifigure-wise, a few, you know, a few compromises um, were made, but, you know, in the context of just how much you're getting, it, it's, it's not particularly a deal-breaker, I think. Um, it's just more a, yeah. The the other thing is that Legolas is the one of the most common minifigures from the first yep. range, and so that figure is not the most expensive to get. And indeed, his head was subsequently reused several times. So yep. if you if you really want the old one back, it's not going to be prohibitive to get hold of it. Yeah, and I think. Again, this goes back to a very, um, you know, it's a very, very, very niche argument. You know, should minifigure faces be exclusive to a specific um, uh, character, a character depiction? Um, and, you know, because, you know, minifigure faces are quite, you know, they're quite simple. It's, you know, it's in very, very limited cases where um, you can really tell that, oh, you know, that's a, you know, that's a so-and-so face or that's a so-and-so face. And you only know that because that was the one that came out first. Whereas if, you know, young Han Solo, if the young Han Solo minifigure did not exist, um, I think people would be fine with it. So again, it's just one of those, um, he, you know, he, how much of a stickler are you? He He looks like he's put on puppy fat. You're in the last homely house. You know, Elrond has, you know, probably Listen. some... Best. Less, less gaunt. Yes, no, El- Elrond's got some quality chefs happening. Quality chefs, uh, there's Lembus everywhere. There's, you know, oh, but even then, I don't think... Um, Why is there uh, Lembus everywhere? They wouldn't be eating Lembus in the last wouldn't. homely house east of the sea. They'd be feasting. Yeah, they'd be feasting. But, and, and yeah, there's, there's like Lembus all over the place. But didn't they get those in, uh, you know, in Lothlorien? In, in Rivendell? Uh, they, I think they did pack some when they left. Did they? Hmm. They must have. Hmm. They must have because they were going off on a long walk. Maybe. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah. So look, 
minifigure wise, I don't think. Um, look, if 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 you if you wanna if you wanna look for flaws, yes. Um, you know the 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 repurposed faces are, are are one thing to point out. Not ideal, but not a deal breaker to me. I think. Yeah. They don't. They don't, they don't diminish the enjoyment of the minifigures, and plus, the the, uh, the new torso prints, um, the new leg prints, the new skirt prints. There's 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 a lot to you know. There's a lot to love in the minifigure department. So yeah, virt- virtually every figure has an I would say an upgraded figure, and there are some that are more. Appropriate. We've mentioned Aragorn, we've mentioned Darwin. The other one is Sam Gamgee, who previously we've only sort of seen in sort of basically his shirt for when he's fighting Shelob, shirt and elven cloak. And so we now have him looking a little bit more dressed up as he was when he was in Rivendell. So that that I thought was again great to have have Sam in as as he should be in the then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the fellowship in the box. I you get a it. you get a fellowship in the box for yeah. not that much more than you'd pay for a fellowship hmm. of the old plus, figures. Plus six thousand plus, you know, bonus pieces. Yeah, plus a... plus you know, six thousand bonus pieces. So, you know, if you can't do something creative with that, then then you know that that's that's disappointing. You can, um, yeah. I'm sure you'll have some friends that know how to deal with it. <laughs> um, there's just so much. So, why why are we pausing a lot? Um, there's just so much with this set. We're going all over the place because there's so much oh, that's good with this set. I think yeah, and I think you know, kind of um, you know, attempting to land land the plane. Um, you know, the end result's just stunning. Like it's a it's an unusual shape. It's got a it's got a it's got a very long, very wide footprint. It's got different levels of height. It's got great colors. Um, interesting, you know, angles with, you know, Elrond's house, the, you know, the stone bridge, the trees. There's, you know, it's it's and, a very organic looking model, yeah, and it's actually a very open model, and it's yeah. so it's great. One of the things that I've I've been taking some pictures of it out 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 in the sun, which has just been a lot of. It's been very therapeutic for me, um, but. Compared to a modular house where you've got, or a modular building where you've got these solid walls on the outside, the fact that it is such an open structure mm-hmm. makes it much easier for you to get your camera into those little nooks and crannies and to be able to get a view from the other side of the building. Yeah, I, 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 I actually don't think it's just cameras um, as well. Like, you but know, it also lets you see it lets you see it with your eyes as well. I'll acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah, that, that, it, um, it, you know, I think the I think the library is maybe the only portion that's a little dark even like bilbo's like study in his desk you could pop open the tower take off the top of the tower and that lights it up yeah so yeah it's it's again that captures a lot of um you know of the aesthetics and look Mm. of rivendell in the movies where it's you know bright it's you know a wash in you know it's golden hour all the time in rivendell and yeah you definitely get that vibe with the you know just how the set is laid out like you say Mm. it's very yeah, it, it, and that that certainly I, I found made that all the more appealing for the for taking pictures of it. Um, yeah, it's it's very open. It's got uh, such a great combination of 
landscape, small buildings, big buildings, minifigures, situational areas you can put them in. Um, the only problem, is, and, you know, we've mentioned a few things that are niggly and they're not, none of them are deal breakers, um, is that it's just a really expensive set and it occupies a lot of shelf space. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's I think that's fair, and I think we've we've um, we've discussed that, um, you know, in uh, in one of our previous episodes. So yes, yeah, certainly. With, with just about it, but, it. It does. It represents value for money. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like a it's kind of like the UCS AT AT or UCS Millennium Falcon. They're expensive sets, but everyone who has one of those has enjoyed it, or you know. For more recent ex- uh, examples, maybe the Titanic expensive set, one of those big sets that you save for. I saved like I don't know, fifty dollars a week for like twenty weeks. No wait, twenty weeks maybe. Yeah, yeah it would have been twenty weeks. Yeah, I saved a long time to afford um to get the Millennium Falcon, and this is one of those sets where you don't have like unless you unless you can um and again acknowledging that this is a big chunk of money. You can wait to pick this up and just save for it because it's not gonna it's not gonna, you know, leave the shelves in, in, in a year or two. Like this 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 set's gonna be gonna stick around for a long time. So I, I cert I certainly hope it does. Um yeah. it, it will be so it'll be interesting certainly in the context of the current economic situation around the world, you know, with inflation being an ongoing problem, um, mm-hmm. cost of living just being a challenge for a lot of families around. But and, like, it's one of those sets that you need to save for, and I think that yeah. those are, those are the kinds of sets that people tend to appreciate because you know it's 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 a big set. It's it's something that you splurge on, um. But it's yeah, yeah. I th- I think this could be a great. I could see this being a great gateway set for people as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, there'll be people who don't. Don't play with Lego as adults who will see this set and as Lord of the Rings fans, they'll say, that looks pretty cool. Let's get that. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that because then it's all downhill. Like Lego is all downhill from like from that point, personally, I think. Uh, it'll be hard to top. It will be hard to top the, ex- the overall packing experience, but you will then find ways in which you'll be able to develop and expand on that. Yeah. And, you know. We're all just working towards getting together a horde of a thousand yellow yeah. castle knights to be able to take on the various forms of orc that we've now got assailing our living room castles. Note to self, must build a living room castle. Note from my wife. Yeah. Finish so, trading the Lego first. Okay. Yeah. So I think this is a special set. You don't, you don't get sets like these every day where it feels like no expense has been spent no expense has been spared on Lego's part and they've squeezed as much as you possibly could mm. out of a you know 800 Australian 500 USD set yeah so it's expensive but i don't feel like it's overpriced yeah you put uh, this next to the hulkbuster like no contest like you put this against so many other sets within that price range and it immediately becomes apparent just it's just not a contest at all unless you prefer large ocean liners over 
elven woodland kingdoms. Yeah. And there will be people who do that and that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, like um yeah, I think is 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 this is this the biggest Lego minifigure scale set ever? I think it is. It is. It a hundred percent is. This is like the eighth biggest set of all time. And everything above um Rivendell is a large display model like the Eiffel Tower, Titanic, World Map. This is this is the biggest like minifigure scale set ever. Um with ever. the possible exception of right? a UCS um Razor Crest. I wouldn't consider myself I, I wouldn't consider like that's a UCS scale set. That's not a minifigure. Like but, I mean But UCS is supposed to be kind of, as in principle supposed to be minifigure set scale sets but, but, but I'm just yes you I'm just calling up my it. I'm just calling up my most no 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 my no. most element list my most most elements in a set list and going down from number 1 we have the world map not a minifigure scale set the eiffel tower with 10,001 pieces not a minifigure scale set the titanic uh, 10294, 9,090 pieces. The Colosseum, 9,036. The 19, the, sorry, the 2017 UCS Millennium Falcon. The 2021 UCS 8080. The 2022 UCS Crest, And then Rivendell. And then Hogwarts. It's the biggest Castle. minifigure scale set. It is the biggest minifigure scale set ever. Like this set is, is yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it I, totally is. I'd argue the ATAT is about minifigure scale. The other, the Razor Crest does feel too big, but hmm. but um, I'm more than happy to argue that it is the latest minifigure scale set that is not Star Wars. Yeah, the largest minifigure set that's not Star Wars, and indeed the next largest minifigure set, if a part count, is the Ninjago City Gardens. Coming in at number thirteen. Thirteen. Yep. See, there you go. It and is Diagon Alley. Yep. So yeah, this is this is this is a historic set, and you know, to me, it feels like one of those big Lego leaps um, that kind of define what's possible in a set. I would absolutely agree. There, it certainly. Um, you know, it is certainly the largest landscape-focused set that we've ever had, and certainly with minifigure count, you could argue that. Uh, oh no, Ninjago City Gardens will have does have one more figure if you count the statues. There you go. So, but it does look, have more than Diagon Alley. Like this, this set, Rivendell, has set the bar for a minifigure scaled license set. Yeah. Like, you know, you could imagine what a, you know, an expensive or a, a big and ambitious like Marvel or DC set uh, will look like. You know, you have things like the Daily Bugle. Um, but again, this, I think this sets the bar for what a minifigure scale licensed set. Um, should look like, and it will be hard to top 
in my opinion, for a while. Maybe, maybe for a few, maybe for a few months, or maybe like a year. Hmm. But yeah, and and yeah, it's a historic set, I think, and it's been universally praised. I think, I believe. So, I I don't think I've heard it. You know, as I say, I can I can pick some. We can pick some things that we say this could be better, but I don't think fixing any of those would make a quantum leap. Mm. Did any of them make it a disappointing experience? No. No, I don't think so. Not at all. Um, and it's, um, yeah, no, I'm just going through the little gripey things. No, no, nothing, nothing, they're, they're, they're fiddly. Um, Look, if you go, if you go and find, like, you, if, you, if you go and, like, nitpick, you can find stuff. Like, you know, yep. there are, like, gaps here and there. There's, yeah, there's, there's, there's stuff that could have been done better, but I think if you look at it as a, you know, as as the as the entire sum of its parts, yeah, and, um, yeah, no one I'm, is going to buy I'm, it. I'm actually, like I'm actually going. I'm, I'm actually going to whittle out this part because it's just shouting at the universe, and there are, hmm. you know, there are a few things that are slightly inaccurate. I still struggle with a couple of the maps or Easter eggs. Well, we do know that Wes Talbot has a habit of sticking coming soon stickers into other sets. This statement is of course partly false. It's graphic designer Ashwin Visser who is in the habit of putting sneak preview easter eggs into his sticker design. Baradour has certainly been put in more maps than it deserves to be in places where you wouldn't normally expect it to be. So it does make you wonder um, if there's a message there. Um, I was having a think about what other adult-focused Lord of the Rings sets would you like to see? I have a piece on that, but um, yeah, so I have, my, I have my list ready to go. Excellent. I've, I've, I mean, I've put half a list in. I, I would, I mean, you could look at dioramas, and I think dioramas I'd love to see might be the Bridget Casadoom. Ooh, yes. Yeah, I didn't put that on my speculation list either. Um, and also perhaps Frodo and Sam and Gollum on the cracks at the cracks of doom. I think if you if you go through Peter Jackson's movies and pick out all of the most iconic lines, that's your that's your diorama like product roadmap right there. Eagles got the precious. You yeah, you shall not pass. Um, I'm no man. Oh yes, yes, the slaying of the fell. Mm-hmm. Of, of the Witch King, absolutely, and um, full of a took, full of a full of a took. Yes, um, they've, they've got a cave troll. <laughs> there's this this there's you know the whole product roadmap is there. That's what's a bit of a teaser to my to, to 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 my piece, but yeah. So there's another one that I was having a think about: a bust of Sauron or helmet scale. Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's get a Sauron minifigure first, and let's not distract anyone because that's been uh, just, been a, it'll distract the, somebody else. It'll distract it, someone who's not doing. It's been a ten-year wait, like, and you know, nah, it's been a five-year wait. It's been a five-year wait because there were two years of dimensions where we were thinking we're going to be getting Sauron soon. We're going to be getting Sauron soon. He's important in the game. Turns up in the game. Oh, game's gone. <laughs> 
half a season left. We didn't really get to wrap up the program. That was disappointing. So I reckon, I wonder if we would have got a Sarah on figure if it continued. I think so. I mean, he was in Lego Dimensions, and that's how well, we got that's, that's what I mean. Would we have would we have got a if Lego Dimensions continued? Yeah, we would, would have definitely gotten a level pack or whatever with Sauron. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they 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 repurposed the um the helmet that he was meant to wear for um what's a guy from Overwatch in the Diva Diva versus um Reinhardt. Yeah, yeah Reinhardt. Yep. Oh yeah. It was probably already all, 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 you know, the moles were like set. It was ready to go and then they had to pivot. So, so, yeah. Blizz- so Blizzard here, redesign Reinhardt for us. Yep. Random speculation. But anyway, um, it is a, it is a blessing that Lord of the Rings is back in Lego form. And that it is. Yep. Um, the set, the set will release on the 5th of March for LEGO VIP members um, at midnight in your respective time zone. Yep. Uh, and the general release is on the 8th of... Um, it's on the 8th of it's March. on the 8th of March. And VIPs who order it will also... Or buy it from a LEGO store will also get a copy of the Frodo and Smeagol or Gollum brickheads with that set. Mm-hmm. Which is um, quite clever because then you'll pick up the other two. I mean, assuming you haven't picked up all three Lord of the Rings brickheads anyway. But yeah. look, I'll have to admit I haven't. Um, but that's more just because I've totally failed to collect the brickheads that I care about. So I, it would be awkward for me to start now, or I could just go for the Lord of the Rings ones and pick mm-hmm. up the next ones that they release. Mm. I'd like to imagine that there'll be a Marion Pippin and Treebeard. Treebeard as a brickhead would be really interesting. I wonder how yep. big they'd make him. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be uh, the biggest, <laughs> biggest brickhead ever. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway, it's um, Jay. It's been fun. Um, for those who are wondering, yes, we quite enjoyed it. As I said, it's got a lot going for it. Hopefully, we'll see some new Lord of the Rings stuff, or finding that even Rings of Power stuff. Yeah, look, I'm biased. I'm biased. So, but I'm 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 proud to you know proud to broadcast my biasness because yeah, this is a this is a very special set to me. And um, you know, when I when I when I recount my you know favorite sets of all time, or tank is always around the top five. Um, I think this has you know because it was the biggest and most ambitious Lego Lord of the Rings set at the time. Mm. Uh, this has you know this is probably yeah this has probably taken its place. I think it deserves to. Um, this is... I think this might this. I think I think this might. I'm, I'm, I might need to give it a bit more thought. But I think this might have knocked the Saturn Five for me as my favorite set of all time. This so. has knocked the Saturn Five and the Creator Three in One Majestic Tiger off my off the being at the top of my build experience for sets. I am still trying to work out whether or not it displaces the old. One man space scooter from 1979 as my favorite set of all time. Oh, I mean, look, but we'll end here. But it's going to be a tough call. But it's it's certainly my that's all favorite. You need to know. That's it's all my you favorite need to know. build experience of all time. That is all you need to know about this set. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Jay, it's been a hoot. It's we've just been fanboying. 
pardon us, listeners. Um, I mean, look, a, a set like this deserves a whole a whole episode um, dedicated to it. So there you go. Next time, we'll time talk to be about, alive. Next time we'll talk about some Creator Three and One and some BTS, perhaps. <laughs> there you go. There we go. All right. Well, Jay, we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, we really value your feedback. Please feel free to leave us a five star review on iTunes or your podcast service of choice. Um, for if you want to read more, you can check out our blogs. Jay's produced some amusing TikToks as well. Um, mine's just been straightforward photography of the set, which has been great fun. But anyway, until next time, I'm Richard from The Rambling Brick. And I'm Jay from Jay's Brick Blog. And these are the extra pieces. I actually got extra pieces this time. Yes. You have been listening to Extra Pieces, a collaboration between Jay's Brick Blog and The Rambling Brick. Your hosts are Jay Ong and Richard Jones, written and produced by Jay Ong and Richard Jones. Extra Pieces can be found through your favourite podcasting platforms. Please like and subscribe, and if you like what you hear, please give us a solid five-star review. It will make it easier for other people to find us and to share the joy.